0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Chris Bucanani. Chris, how are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing very well, Jim. Always happy to be
1: here. It's always great to have you with us. And this week, special week. We get two helpings of Chris Bucanani this week. How about help you people? (laughs) It'll be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. What I'm not looking forward to, but I feel obligated to go through it is we had some basketball this weekend. We were chatting before we started recording. You mentioned that you did not see this game. I said, that was fine. You've seen this several times before, haven't you? Oh,
2: yeah. I watched it in person earlier this season in the Bryce Jordan Center. I mean, like it was almost to an uncanny degree, right? A carbon copy of Penn State's last game against Minnesota. And let me just say for everyone out there, and I'm sure I'm speaking to the majority of the audience who hasn't already turned this off, who is groaning. (laughs) Basketball again. Basketball season is almost well and truly over. I do apologize. Thank you for bearing with us. You know, back in the day, I, this may change because of the way uh, contractual arrangements are shifting for Penn State. But back in the day, if you wanted to carry the Penn State Football Network radio broadcast, if you wanted Stephen Jack on your radio station, you had to take the basketball team we're under no such obligations here on Keystone kickoff so how dumb are we we're just electing to talk about Penn State basketball we don't even have you know the hostage video effect where there's sports information with the AK-47 aimed at our head if we don't carry X amount of Penn State basketball coverage
1: all right so let's go let's do it let's I will rip take the band-aid full, off one more time I'll, I'll take full responsibility for it Chris I'm the one Um, maybe it's just someday when they get good, I want to say, you know, I was, I was covering them back when, back when they would blow 20 point leads on a regular basis. I've been there for a
2: decade, man. Like it's throwing good money after bad. It's like you bought a Zune
1: instead of an iPod and you're just doubling and tripling down. I get it. I get it. Yeah, let's go. Well, again, I'll, I'll take the heat for it. And I, I feel bad. Having met now uh, several of the basketball players, having met Mike Rhodes, having talked several times with Joe Crispin, the assistant coach, when you get to know these guys personally, you you begin to realize how much they do care. They really do. But this performance, there's some things, when they blow leads like this, there are a couple common threads, Chris. Uh, The first of which is, they just go into these funks offensively where they can't, they cannot score a basket. They cannot put an end to the streak from the other team. And I'm going to do something that I don't think many people are doing, but I'll take a little bit of a shot at Mike Rhodes here. You and I, we watch these games. We see those streaks coming. And you see good coaches call a timeout, come out of the timeout. They do something offensively to free some people up. Penn State gets into these funks where there's not good movement on offense. You just don't see them react to it with some creative offensive play where you say, okay, even if a shot is missed, you say, boy, they just got themselves an open look, a good look. Maybe the player didn't execute it. But I don't find myself saying that when I get in, when they get into these funks, they just seem to last possession a after half, possession. This, like a yeah. whole
2: half sometimes, especially <laughs> against Minnesota.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't know, and maybe that's unfair, but watching them, that's all I could, could say about those funks is show me something at that point, show me something creative that you're working to get somebody open, Chris.
2: Yeah. I mean, I could go deep down a rabbit hole about how certain organizations or programs on the collegiate level start to take on an identity that lasts decades. Like, is there some supernatural force at work? Is there some psychological phenomenon? Like how, how did the the Raiders, even as they bounce back and forth between Los Angeles and Oakland, lead the NFL in penalties for like 35 years, right? Like it was different guys. Different eras, but it was always the Raiders. It's sort of the same thing. How has Penn State basketball looked exactly the same for as long as I've been watching? Yeah, it's 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 very, very frustrating. And to relate this to Penn State women's basketball, you talked about Mike Rhodes, who, like you, I like a lot, and I'm still uh, bullish on his overall trajectory to improve the program. Uh, I was talking the other night about, uh, Carolyn Keeger, the women's basketball coach, in the situation with the Penn State women's team this year. Now, I don't know if you saw it, Jim, but uh, 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 about a week or two ago, uh, Onward State took some flack, including from my co host, their former managing editor, Kevin Horn, for publishing an editorial that said it might be time for Penn State to part ways with Coach Keeger. Well, I think the reason why that happened is that, you know, Penn State women's basketball had been kind of mired in a funk for a while. Then they started this season with not very high expectations. And then they dramatically outperformed those expectations through the midpoint of the year where you went from thinking, ah, you know, this is maybe, maybe at the best, the team that's going to contend for the tournament bubble. Then they play well enough that you think, oh, man, it's a slam dunk. They're in and it's only a matter of where they're going to be seated. Then they lose six straight games, and they're back on the tournament bubble. You're then being held to the standard you created for yourself midway through the season. Well, I do think there's been this up-and-down effect with Penn State men's basketball, where certainly the expectations were very low, which is the default setting for this program. And then there was the fact that the entire roster left with Micah Shrewsbury. And so Rhodes came in and had to completely reconstitute the team via the transfer portal for all intents and purposes. But then over the course of the season, Jim, we've seen this team play well enough. Like I I waxed poetic about how great it was to watch the offset number 12 Illinois in rec hall. They've beaten multiple ranked teams this season. They've had really, really good wins against traditionally strong big 10 programs. So the expectations start to go a little higher. I don't. I don't think many people thought this team had a great shot at the NIT to start the year. And then you go back and you look at it. Were it not for a few just inexplicable numbskull losses, and both of the Minnesota games fall into that category, they'd be on the. NCAA tournament bubble. And now they've somehow, you know, again, despite a lot of quality wins, probably played them out themselves out of the NIT, which is maybe where everybody thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. But you saw flashes of something more throughout the year. And so we're now the few, the proud, who are even following and talking about this team, holding them to the standard that emerged over the course of the season versus maybe with the wiser view was the long one that prevailed back in the fall of 2023.
1: You make some great points, starting with, uh, let's go men's basketball. No matter how uh, this year, this season would turn out, Mike Rhodes would deserve a pass for what he walked into. Essentially a barren program. There was nobody left, nothing left. And what little was left uh, from last year Kanye out Cleary and he quit. Yeah, yeah. when, when Kanye Cleary left the program. So, you know, you're starting from scratch, so there has to be an understanding of that and an accommodation for that. And it's, you know, I'll also blame Mike, uh, Mike Rhodes for raising that bar of expectation by winning some of those games. Now, when they do, when they play well, perhaps even over their head, it... it kind of whitewashes some of those obvious weaknesses on, on this team up front. They're, they're not, they're just not big enough up front. Yeah. 100%. Big Ten. Sure. You know, Wahab has been tremendous. I mean, he, but he is all alone under the basket. There, there've been several times he makes that rebound where he's surrounded by opposing players. There's three or four of them around him. He doesn't get help. There's no monster power forward to help out. When he's in foul trouble, they don't have someone to bring in to carry the load for that span of minutes. And there's also no
2: would, like Andrew Funk style reliable sniper who you've at least got the threat that he can kick it back out to him that would space the defense a little bit more. I mean, we, we have some guys for sure. Like Jamil Brown's a pretty good three point shooter. I don't think there's anybody that, uh, you know, opposing coaches look at the tape and say, under no circumstances can you leave this guy open to take an outside shot.
1: And I've always, all season, I've been calling that the biggest variable. If they're hitting their shots, and Saturday first half, Puff Johnson, I think, was either 5-for-5 or 6-for-6 from three-point range. Uh, Well, I may get that wrong, 6-for-6 from the floor, but 4-for-4 from three-point range. So they were getting that contribution from a three-pointer. But he was also getting open shots, as were his teammates. The second half, it felt like Minnesota turned up the heat with their defense. And at that point, Penn State was helpless to find, find good shots. Big men get in trouble. You know, Wahab, he eventually fouled out, but he was in foul trouble. They didn't have Lilly there as the backup, so O'Boyle has to come in and be their big guy. And I'm using air quotes here uh, to say that because it's it's unfair to the kid to have him playing against defending against an opponent's number uh, number five player. He probably isn't even prepared to play that power forward. You know, the four, and here he, he is covering a five. It's 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 unfair. So there have to be those allowances this season for Mike Rhodes. But as you put it, they raised the bar winning some of those games. The The other one I did want to mention also that you mentioned uh, Carolyn Keeger, the women's basketball coach who took a program that was an entire mess and for several years in a row, very slowly would win one or two more games. It was still a losing record, but some progress was there this year. They seem to you know, burst through, and as you know, we talked about our event we did a few weeks ago at Cafe 210, that was the first time I got to meet her in person. I got to tell you, I was really impressed with her, both on the air, Chris, and we chatted off the air. I think she's the right person for this program, and maybe that's a bias for getting to meet someone personally, but I, I think she's the right person for this program.
2: Yeah, I, I hope she stays as well. I don't think, it, I, I, I thought OS took too much heat. I thought it was a completely reasonable position they were articulating because you're always on a little bit thinner ice when you're uh, at a school and a new athletic director comes in and you're not their hire. So, I mean, I think that's why you see some speculation about her job security. She's not, she's not a Pat Kraft hire.
1: That, that is always going to be part of it. All right, Chris, we did it. We talked a segment entirely with basketball. Sorry, everybody. We will fix that when we get back for quarter number two. Stay tuned. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. It's quarter
0: number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Chris Bucanani. I'm Jim Galante. We spent quarter number one talking basketball, Chris. Hopefully everyone has awakened. For some football talk that we are going to head towards, and I wanted to start with this, you know, off season, Chris. We, ju- I say we. I'll speak for myself. I, I am so starved for Penn State football news. I'll put credence in anything, everything. Lie to me if you want. I don't care. I'll soak it up. I'll bring it in. And one of the traditions with the Penn State program, and I'm sure it happens in other programs, is we get the strength and conditioning coach talking about the players who off-season workouts, they do something they call their max-out workout, and Chuck Losey then comes and talks to the media about it, and I hang on every single word of it. How about you, Chris?
2: Well, I will tell you this, Jim. It is nearly impossible to quantify just how little I care or give credence to absolutely any of this. All the inside information about who's been impressive in the weight room and, and who, uh, you know, here's a video of so-and-so maxing out and look at this deadlift and look at how many reps he put up. I don't care. I do not care. This is Lucy with the football, all right? Like, I, I, I've, I am in total fool me once mode on this. I understand, the, I truly, I understand the need to feed the content beast, probably more than most. I understand the football desert. These are these little oases. We're so welcome to get any little scraps to remind us that the season is on its way and give us hope for next fall. I get all of it. I am so disillusioned by uh, for frankly the fool I made of myself uh, on a variety of media talking up last year's team and then we get the exactly the exact same damn team we get every year and I'm like I'm just done. I'm done getting suckered. in. Look, every top 25 program in the country has somebody who's doing some impressive thing in the weight room and It doesn't matter for you know what, when it gets to what happens on the field. You know, I just saw a list and I know we're going to probably talk about combine stuff here at at some point. I saw a list of the guys who ran the fastest 40 yard dashes in combine history and nearly every one of them stunk when they got to the NFL. (laughs) So I just, I, I, no shade to anyone who enjoys this stuff or who cares about it for me I have more than enough evidence to indicate that there is virtually no connection between this pablum they feed us in March about who's dominating the weight room and what we're going to see in Beaver Stadium versus Ohio
1: State. You know what, Chris? I agree with you. Same old crap, different day. But I'm still going to fall for it anyway. (laughs) I I understand. I do. (laughs) Truly. I understand. And and I don't think it's any coincidence that this time period kind of coincides with baseball spring training. Okay. And if folks are, you know, longtime listeners of the show, probably even short-term listeners of the show, they know how I feel about my New York Mets. Okay. And it's the same way in spring training. Do you know, Chris, that every single Met showing up in Port St. Lucie for spring spring training is in the absolute best shape of his life? Did you know that? I had heard that, yes. (laughs) And it's the same thing. Oh,
2: By the way, let me just point out that last year the Superstar the superstar of these OMG, look at how much weight he's lifting videos that we were being fed, was Jordan <laughs> Vanderberg, and now he's off the team. Yes. He's in the transfer portal. And look, I'm a super nice kid, by the way. I like Jordan Vanderburg. I was disappointed that he left. I thought he had potential to be a rotational contributor on the D-line this year. I assume he is leaving to go for a place where he's going to get more opportunity for playing time. But again, this is my point. I don't, I do not care. How much weight these guys can lift. Every t- I just say it again. Every top 25 program has a bunch of guys who can lift a lot, a lot of weight. Every, every program has a great strength and conditioning coach. All right. Now ours is ours is really good. We've had a great program for a long time at Penn State, and I am grateful for w- what they do to prepare our guys to play and what they do to prepare them to go on and succeed at the next level. I'm glad that's something Penn State does. Don't get me wrong. There is no evidence, zero, zero, that it is any kind of a differentiator when it absolutely matters for Penn State. So I just don't care. I'm
1: done. I'm done. I am done taking the bait. Let me just point out one name for you, okay, Chris? Okay. All right. Tyler McGill, pitcher for the Mets. He's got a new splitter this year. This is not where I
2: thought you were going, but okay. He's
1: (laughs) going to be a superstar this year. Trust me on this one. It's going to forget those last four mediocre years, Chris. Okay. I know it because they told me so. Okay. Fair. So So I'll look ahead. And if McGill's going against the
2: Phillies, I won't even bother watching that game.
1: And definitely, definitely don't put any money on your fighting Phils. Okay. Yeah. He's got a new splitter. He learned it from Kodai Senga. So, you know, it has to be good. Spring optimism, uh, runs amok with Jim. But anyway, going back to you know this football team, I think sometimes you want to read, I want to read between the lines, Chris, and try to get something positive out of this. Yeah. But w- what I also appreciate is when Chuck Losey uses some terms that he doesn't want to use a negative expression, but you read between the lines and you can hear it. Drew Aller, do you know, when he came in, he was raw, okay? Raw is the way they put it when the guy probably wasn't in a good strength and conditioning program in high school and needs work to do, Chris. Yeah. But I did jump on one thing, and this is the typical Penn State fan, is he used the expression, he was so much, he was more engaged now. And I watched, I think it was the video that went viral, Nick Singleton lifting about 2,000 pounds and five times. And in the background, there's Drew Aller counting it off, you know, the one very prominent right there. I want to translate that into a guy who was kind of, I don't know, a little bit shy, not necessarily the leader you want from, from your quarterback. It's him taking the next step, Chris in those leadership skills, he's going to be more front and center in leading this team going forward. How's that for extrapolating?
2: Well, the good news, Jim, is that there is indeed a first time for everything. So we get these little peaks inside the program every off season. And eventually, perhaps one day, they will be indicative of something we see on the field when it actually matters. So this could be your insight you're sharing with the audience. This could be a first there is a first time for everything, and this could be a first. I do want to say, I, look, I know I'm coming across as impossibly cynical on this, and and, and maybe, maybe that's a little bit of my nature. It is difficult. It's difficult for me as somebody who strives always to be forthright and honest with the audience. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm seeing things before they happen, and sometimes I'm completely off on the wrong path but I always give you what I'm thinking. I've just been mentally beaten down by this very, very successful football program, this consistently top 15, top 10 program that is bringing in great guys and graduating good players and sending them to the NFL. All of this comes across as, as overly critical maybe when I don't mean it to be. It's just so frustrating to be on the cusp of getting to the next level and never getting there. But yeah I, I, yeah, I have a difficult – I just have a difficult time buying in. They're just going to have to show me at this point. James Franklin on down. They're going to have to show me this season. I am not promising anything until I actually see evidence that they can do it for once. Now, again, well, like that's what I said two years ago about like show me you can get through a season without losing to a team you're supposed to beat at least one time. And now they've done it consecutively, twice. So I feel more comfortable predicting we're not going to get upset by the likes of a Minnesota type team.
1: But yeah, they got, they got to show me. I want to see and weightlifting videos.
2: Ain't going to do it.
1: Well, maybe this is me trying to mine the fields there to find that nugget that, uh, and it's me looking for that. And I, I, the Julian Fleming praise. Okay. Coming in, of course, I'm sure Losey was asked about it. Yeah. And, he used the word maturity in talking about Julian Fleming. And in, I think in most circumstances, I just would let that pass because obviously he is a veteran player, been around for a few years. But what it also struck me was maybe that's exactly what that wide receiver room needs, what it's lacked for the last couple of years, is just someone who's a leader who's also mature and mature enough maybe to set an example for everybody else.
2: And who's also been part of a championship caliber program for multiple years and been coached by probably the best wide receiver position coach in America. And somebody who's a Pennsylvania guy who knows Penn State well, in fact, knew us so well that he knew he didn't want to come here coming out of high school (laughs) and then decided to come finish up his career here. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that for sure. And I will say the one nice thing about the constant social media churn is that you do get the opportunity. To have these peaks inside the program. So whether, like you, Jim, you're you're fixated on how enthusiastically Drew Aller is counting off reps, or you're looking at me, and every time you see one of those come into your feed, you just throw your hands up and like, nope, nope, you're not gonna get me, you're not gonna get me. The opportunity is there. And so back back in the day, like for all the wonderful things I could say about Jopa, like that guy controlled media access to the program with an iron fist. Now I know it was a completely different era, but fans, reporters, all of us, we had to scrap and claw to get any kind of insight into what was going on inside the building and I realize it's it's a controlled look we're being given. But I, don't don't take it for granted. I, I do think it's a good thing for the sport and for the fans that we have this opportunity to get more access to the program, especially a chance to talk to Losey, who at least for as long as the NCAA exists, is the only coach who's allowed to have unfettered access to the guys during this time of year.
1: Well, it's funny. You mentioned Joe Paterno. The ability to interpret what he said, real quickly, for those who are too young, it was typical if there's a quarterback coming in that you assume is going to be the starter and play well, media would ask about him. Joe would then start to talk about the third-team walk-on quarterback and how well he's doing, and he would downplay that guy. I don't think you guys
2: are talking enough about Paul Cianciola. He does some things (laughs) better than either of the other two kids.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And usually what it means is just the exact opposite of what Joe was saying. Whoever he was downplaying – Probably was doing really well. All right, Chris, that is it for quarter number two. Lots more to go. Please stick with us. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Chris. I'm Jim. We're talking some Penn State football. And Chris, it was funny. When we finished up segment number two, we were talking about how Joe Paterno was... He was in full control of the message that got out, which essentially was no message got out, okay? nothing, Nothing got out. And I I pointed out that when he would be asked about this star running back, star quarterback, star whatever, he would always downplay that player and he would talk up the backup. That was just standard procedure. Essentially, you knew when Joe was talking, he was – Throwing you off. He wasn't telling you the truth. I think it actually took a couple years for Joe to be gone. And James Franklin, it actually seemed like he was telling the truth. And it took the media a couple years to figure out that he was telling the truth. When he'd say, Oh, player A is actually, you know, worked out really well, was looking really good at practice. I think, you know, uh, many of the writers just are Scratch that guy's name off the list. We're never going to see him, you know, because <laughs> that's what they were conditioned to to believe right. with,
2: with with Joe. Right? They assumed every player name that was thrown out was just a red herring to to mess with their heads. Yeah, I I do think and and look, it's no great insight to say that James Franklin is a savvy media communicator. You have to be in his position now, but I do think that change in approach. Including the increased access to the program I talked about in the last segment. It's just reflective of the fact that in the modern information environment, anyone who has lasted this long has figured out that it's harder than ever to keep secrets. If stuff is going on inside the program, it's going to get out. And, uh, you know, there's certain stuff that stays below the water level. And then there's stuff that is suitable for mass consumption, which is going to get out one way or another. And so I do think Franklin is aware of the fact that the more forthright he can be and the the more nuggets of factual information he can share, probably actually allow him to keep a, a higher degree of control over the flow of information than if he was just a complete closed book like Joe was back in a completely different era in terms of of media access and news cycles and and, and what fans and the general audience has come to expect.
1: Yes, you're you're 100% right on that, Chris. And as you said, if you're trying to fool everybody, the, the truth will come out. So then you lose your credibility as a coach. I did want to get back. We were talking about, you know, Chuck Losey's comments uh, during the max workout day. And I was also interested. He talked just a little bit about Abdul Carter uh, moving from linebacker to defensive end. And I'm not sure if it was someone asking the question about him getting bigger. Do they have a plan? Because um, Chuck Losey in the strength and conditioning program has famously taken players and built them up. We saw, you know, like Tony Rojas is the most recent example from a year ago where he came in. We were told this is going to be a great linebacker once he puts on X number of pounds. Next thing we know, one spring when he should have been a high school senior, he had put on like 29 pounds without losing any of the quickness or anything else. So when you see a guy like Abdul Carter making the position change from linebacker to defensive end, Oh, are we gonna put 20 pounds on the guy? And and the the answer was essentially no. There's no there's no plan to get him bigger. He's naturally gonna grow into it. Mm-hmm. I took that as a very positive statement about Abdul Carter.
2: Yeah, I and and that to me tracks with just what my layman's eye tells me about that guy's frame, number one. And number two, going back to what we've discussed on the Show before, I don't think he's going to be like a traditional hand in the dirt, every down defensive end, like old school Big Ten style. I, I really do expect him to play a role similar to what the Cowboys did with Micah Parsons this past season, and for that, he's the right size as we sit here today.
1: He is, and it's it's all about giving him as many opportunities to go after the quarterback as possible. That, to me, is is a good thing and, and what you want to see from him. All right, next up, Chris, we did have a player enter the transfer portal. You mentioned him earlier, Jordan Vandenberg. Chris, transfer portal is inevitable. This was a guy who, you know, he was on the freaks list. He's big, strong, fast. He's all of those things. I don't want to say it just never came together for him. Probably the biggest variable there was some other players returning at defensive tackle.
2: Yeah, I think that's a contribution to it. And again, it's, it's a complicated, a a multifaceted matrix of, of qualities you have to possess in order to be able to be a contributing player at the highest level of college football, like to be, an effective big ten down lineman and and play a lot of snaps being fast, athletic, and strong is not enough. There's technique, there's what you got between your ears, and I'm not making any kind of a statement re- regarding Vanderburg either way. I already said i I thought that he had shown some promise last season, and I was hoping and expecting that he would get on the field more this year, but on the other hand. Clearly, I I just don't think as the season wore on last year, you did not see more of him, which is, I think, kind of the trajectory you would have hoped for his development. And he may have just looked at, you know, the other guys in that room and it's a crowded room. There are a lot of names. I don't know that any of them are names of great distinction when you think about the level you want Penn State to be playing at. But I, 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 this is me guessing. I have no inside information, but my assumption is just that he looked at it and said, I am not going to break through and be in a top four rotation here, not this season, not next season. And there are going to be opportunities for me to do that if I drop down a level. And, and when I say that, I don't mean from like FBS to FCS, but I'm talking about a program that may start the season ranked in the top 10 in Penn State versus one that doesn't and might have more of an opening for him to play more. It's a and, shame too. I like, I like he was, a, he was a, he was a fun guy, fun personality.
1: And I think we did expect that step forward, but if, if he was disappointing though, in his performance, either based on what the coaches say, even if it contradicted how he felt about himself, there was a good chance he would have left in December or, you know, after the season, so he yeah. could begin spring semester elsewhere. I think it's um, telling that he's this waited until now to happen. And by waiting till now, I guess he has to wait for the uh, window to open to be officially in the portal. Right. And and it's just the fact, I guess he's not on the roster anymore, wasn't there for these winter workouts. Which makes me feel like it was a reaction to the players that are returning, you know? So he won't That's have a good that point. opportunity. And, but it also leads Chris to this whole numbers game where whenever I talk about the number of scholarship players, I, I've been told over and over again, year after year, don't worry, it'll work itself out. The coaches have a handle on it. And Chris, maybe they do. But the difference this year is I think even after taking uh, Vandenberg off the scholarship list, they are still at 97 players on scholarship and they have to get it down to 85. Now, however, you you know, whatever 12 players are going to be off this roster between now and August, there's going to be some blood spilled. OK, I you know, I can pick out. Maybe six, seven, eight guys that, you know, if they chose to hit the portal, I'd say, well, that's fine. They're okay. But when you're getting up to 12 players coming off this roster, especially when so many of them are so young, freshmen, redshirt freshmen who we haven't seen yet any indication of what their abilities are, I think some blood's got to be spilled.
2: Now, what occurs to me as we talk about this, Jim, is with the fragile state of the NCAA. My first instinct is just say, whatever, just carry all the scholarship guys. What are they going to do? Sanction us? I mean, you know, they they, they 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 can't punish anybody. You just take them to court. You know, your you're, you're attorney general, it's an election year. Just take them to court if they try to punish us. Just keep the whole 97. The other thing you do is you just, you know, you go out, you find a couple of deep pocketed donors and say like, hey, look, I got to take this guy off scholarship. Can you please give him an NIL deal, which is equal in the exact amount to what he's paying for his scholarship? And then, you know, he's a walk on with a with a really good NIL deal. So there are those two things. But look, yeah, there are going to be at what Pat Chambers liked to call care frontations between now and summer workouts. And I imagine that Vanderberg was probably a part of one of those conversations. And to be honest with you, Jim, yeah, I mean, they're going to cut them loose if they don't think these guys are are, are going to cut it. And if you look at the track record of this staff, I, I think they've got a pretty good sense of who's good enough to play at Penn State. Because we do not have too many players who have jumped in the portal who you have ever thought about ever again as a Penn State or
1: college football fan after they've left Happy Valley. That's been the case for, for several years now. They do not, I use the expression, there'd be some blood spilled. There hasn't been, up until now, much blood spilled. There aren't players that you say, oh my goodness, I'm upset that that player left the program.
2: Most of them are guys, to be honest with you, I have found that when I talk to my you know friends and folks in the audience, who you would just consider your average fan, they don't know they left because they never knew they were part of the team to begin with.
1: Exactly. And most of the players who have left through the portal from Penn State, they fit the category of what the portal was designed for. They weren't going to get it onto the field. And, you know, the player that comes to Christian Vayu, he showed a little bit. Remember, you know, he played most of the Rutgers game, played well. I think people were very positive about him. Come the next fall, though, Drew Aller beat him out for the number two position. So you had a player a year behind him who was now ahead of him. Right. Christian Vayu, based on this, was not going to see the field. The fact that he went and looked for another opportunity did not upset me at all to me it was you know what that's why we have a portal Chris
2: yeah, now I went to go play for a head coach who's kind of a head case and like passive aggressively hates him, but uh, you know yes the 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 abstract idea of Christian Vayer finding a, a better opportunity is great. the one he chose maybe was not the most advisable decision
1: uh, yes, and you know it's already uh, Very questionable whether he'll hit the field again at Pitt or not. All right, Chris, that is it. But we've got plenty more to go. Stick with us. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.
0: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Chris. I'm Jim. We are talking Penn State football. When we were finishing up in uh, quarter number three, Chris, we were talking about Jordan Vandenberg hitting the transfer portal. Um, I think he made a great impression on a lot of people within the program. I've not heard anyone, anyone say a negative word about him. He seemed like he worked hard, did all the right things. But I'll call this, this is what the portal's designed for. If he didn't see a path to the field for this coming season, he wants to go somewhere else where he'll get that opportunity. It's more power to him but it makes it a little easier for me to say that when there's still a lot of talent at defensive tackle they should for be like sure. that right, right now going forward though um i brought up the idea that there's still 97 players on scholarship you have to lose 12 players i'm not sure exactly where they will come from but and and i'd hate to point out a specific player and say ah oh, he can go and that'll be fine But you could at least look at positions and with him, uh, with Vandenberg gone, there's still 12 defensive tackles on scholarship. Yes. Yes. It is amazing
2: the number of scholarship players we have at a position that I think if you asked most average fans, where does Penn State need to upgrade? They would they would
1: pick that position, right? Well, I think we uh, that's a knee jerk reaction that we always say. It's like, well, and to be fair,
2: Brandon Noble talks about this all the time. Interior linemen is one of the hardest on defense, is one of the hardest positions to recruit elite talent because it is so rare. I, I mean, we've harped on this for years that there are probably only maybe four or five at most truly top end guys in every recruiting class. And most of them end up concentrating, going to a couple of programs, like a handful of schools. So, I, you know, Penn State is not unique in the fans bemoaning the lack of difference makers at defensive tackle. That's most programs in America, even the very, very good ones.
1: And I think you have to give the program credit. This was not a – going into the season last year, there was a lot of concern at defensive tackle, perhaps after wide receiver and it was on defense, the one uh, position that people were most concerned about. I think they held up their end of the bargain, Chris. I do too. I do too. I agree. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, and you point out, no, there are no, you know, first round draft picks in that defensive tackle room. Okay. Correct. But, You don't need that to be effective, (laughs) okay? They they are still probably
2: third-round draft picks, but yes.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay, I get the point. But you want to, you have to, I think, look at the numbers and the other position where the the scholarship numbers are skewed is definitely wide receiver, where again I'm not seeing a lot of first-round draft picks there, but there are there are fifteen players on scholarship at wide receiver and at least at defensive tackle you could talk about maybe them moving to defensive end or a little bit like that or there's more you know rotation but 15 wide receivers i think that's there's got to be more than one <laughs> transfer portal candidate there
2: yeah a hundred percent and uh, you know to to your point you made in the last segment when you actually look at the roster and break it down, the the frustrating thing from a fan standpoint, where you try to look at it and say like, okay, look, clearly we're going to have to offload some guys here because, you know, 85 versus 97, there are a lot of young players there that you just have no read on. So you really do yeah. need to assume that they were going to be, you know, look, it used to be in the NFL before the rookie wage scale. If you made a mistake, especially at quarterback in the first round, you crippled your franchise for years thereafter, and that's changed because now the salary just tied to the draft pick, and it's not nearly as onerous in a salary cap world in the NFL. Well, it used to be in college football that if you swung and missed on a few guys in a recruiting class that was a mistake that followed you for multiple years so you had to be very careful about how you selected the talent you brought in well the transfer portal has changed that in the same way the rookie wage skill has the nfl draft and so yeah like clearly like penn state was in some situations where they maybe missed out on their top targets at the position and needed to bring in some guys who they thought maybe, based on their evaluation, could blossom into Big Ten contributors. And, you know, that's not always going to work out. And so to your point, like, it's, it's good. It's good for those players to then be able to move on and, and find a program where they can contribute more. So we just need to trust the evaluation of the staff because they're seeing these guys, these redshirt freshmen. We have no idea. And we just have to trust that after, you know, a year or two in the program, they've looked at them and said, hey, I'm going to shoot straight with you. I don't think you're going to play here. Probably best if you looked around for another opportunity.
1: And Penn State fans have often talked about the Southeast Conference processing players. Well, you could pick out whatever word you want for it, but there's got to be those heart-to-heart conversations where at the very least you express to a player, you know what, you're going to be part of the rotation or, you know, if if you're a very young player, you're working your way up. Hey, it may not be this year, but next year when the, you know, guys in front of you move on, you're going to be ready to take that position versus, hey, look, guys, someone has surpassed you who's a class behind you. That doesn't bode well for you getting on the field here. And I... That candid conversation has to happen, Chris.
2: Yeah. And you know, traditionally that sort of thing bothered me in the Southeastern Conference, like back in the old college football. But now the nature of the sport has just become so transactional and like increasingly like corporatized, for lack of a better word. Like it's it really does feel like it's moving very rapidly towards a much more um sterile professional model. It doesn't that doesn't bother me nearly as much. Right. Like the, these guys who are coming in, they are thinking about their branding and their their playing time opportunities and their NIL opportunities. And I, I think from both sides, there's an understanding that to whatever extent there was at one point some authentic, authenticity to the student athlete ideal. Like we don't have that anymore. Like you are coming in and like if you want to take advantage of the college um, education, you can get great but you're basically coming here to be a quasi professional football player and just like in the NFL if you can't cut it and you can't contribute on the field you're going to be out the door and, and that's that's the direction the sport is heading so does it bother me nearly as
1: much to see it at Penn State or anywhere else frankly no and the fact as you pointed out that these players are now compensated does change the emotion when talking about it you know we don't have that feeling hey they're being processed because it can be and is in the best interest of the player. And as much, even with the student athlete thing, though, Chris, it's, it's not like, okay, if you can't make it onto the field here at Penn State, and if you want to get on the football field at the collegiate level, you'll have to go do it somewhere else. That's not saying you've given up on your academic uh, career. Believe it or not, no, not, not. not at even all. And, and again, I... at these other universities.
2: Yeah, sure. Although I I do think it's uh, a hidden uh, uh, drawback. It's a hidden drawback of the transfer portal that there are not often easy transitions to be made academically moving from one university to the other. Classes don't carry over. Credits don't translate For, for players who are on the margins of ever going and playing professionally in the NFL. Uh they do probably set their academic progress back often by by going in the transfer portal. But I just want to make it clear, like I I'm just saying that at, at, at a certain time there was a construct around the sport, there were ideals around the sport that are transforming. And I think there is more clear-eyed understanding on the part of the kids coming in than there ever has been about what it is they are jumping into. And if you go back, you know, 15, 20 years to the way players were being processed through SEC programs, I don't think there was that understanding up front. I, th- I I think that the players, frankly, were taken much more cynically advantage of in previous eras of college football in many places. I don't think nearly, nearly to the extent at Penn state, as you saw other places, I, I really do think we were different and better. I believe that, but I, I think, In terms of just being aware of that this is a business venture I'm jumping into, I think this is the most educated group of prospects we have right now than we've ever had in college football.
1: It is the case, and there's a lot of different reasons for it, but uh, social media or just the ability for players to know what they're getting into and their interaction with more players... And it's interesting, Chris, as I uh, get more and more uh, friendly with Landon Tenwall, our, our colleague, and talk to him about different things going on, and it's not even him answering a specific question that I might have, but just talking in general, where when I ask him about players that may be transferring in or players on opposing teams, he already has a personal relationship with them. And it comes from those high school football camps and the different things. So there is an awareness of these players. Uh, You know, he talks about K.J. Winston, and it's like, oh, I've known him since he was in ninth or tenth grade. He was visiting with some of his buddies who play for Michigan. And you now have an awareness. And he's told me stories about, you know, the Maryland's football program. Landon is from Maryland. And so he knows a lot of the players there so those the players they're aware of what's going on partially because of that there there are those interactions and they have so many of those high school camps and they travel so much you're right they are not going in blindly to any of this they are not being taken advantage of i think the way they were before and if they are it it's a little bit it's their their own fault i mean they are making a very much a business decision and selecting where they're going. And this these are business decisions being made, Chris.
2: Yeah. Although I will say as an old guy, it still kind of hits me wrong. Like I talked about that there's less risk involved with offering a scholarship to a guy who doesn't pan out. I still, you know, my brain still says, Hey, you know what? That's a commitment you made to that guy to come be a part of Penn state football. It's now incumbent on you to develop him as a player, and if you can't do it, to just give him the opportunity to stay here and get a great Penn State experience and get a degree from Penn State. But, again, I have a feeling that viewpoint is becoming antiquated.
1: Uh, Yes, yes it is, and especially at those schools where you're seeing 20 guys transfer out per year. All right, Chris, that is it for the show. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.